Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to Manx Radio's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. On this week's programme, the Mart, you were there finding out, uh, well, a little bit happier news and a few more people there this week, Kiri, was it? Yes, it was certainly a very busy Mart with half term. There was a lot of generations in the that filled the packed room. But the prices were good as well. They were up on last week. Um, they were around about the £2 a kilo mark. And some of the little cattle were quite dear as well. So it was good trade all round, I think. Yeah, and uh, also uh, there was some calf judging going on too. Yes, young Tom Kane, a young farmer from Crosby. He had the job of uh, sorting out the ring before the sales. Uh, had to first to four in the uh, prime. Uh, prime calves suckle calves mm. and uh, yeah he had a great job it took a while to sort out but uh, he got there in the end yeah um jeffrey boot the new defa minister i popped along to have a chat with him uh, with this unenviable task ahead of him i think with the forestry the food the fisheries the agriculture all in together isn't it it's a lot of areas to cover and a lot of knowledge to have as well the ins and outs of each of the sectors and uh, yeah he's going to have a, a challenge on his hands but if uh, a lot of enthusiasm and passion. I think it will you know, drive forward, a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. and also a fantastic exhibition uh, on at Michael Village of uh, old photographs of the old farms and village, how it used to be, and that was really great to look back on that nostalgic side of things. And that's something that's grown in popularity. Isn't it? These pictures seem to be getting found from places and scanned and be able to put on social media, isn't it? Oh, like? it's lovely to look back and see some of them. But some of these towns and villages have expanded beyond recognition, really. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see the, the old ways and like you've seen all the wheelbarrows and greps and low doorways and things that you, you see in the old pictures and you don't ever imagine them being there. No, but uh, that's all in this week's Countryside, so here it is. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> popped along to speak to the new DEFA minister, Geoffrey Boot, to find out with all his roles that he's got ahead of him in agriculture, in fisheries, forestry, and of course food as well. It's a big remit to take in. There's probably lots of paperwork before he actually gets started. I went along to find out how he was settling in. Well, it's a steep learning curve. I have no bedtime stories anymore, just briefing papers from DEFA and uh, learning the ropes really, although I was embedded in the department for a year prior, my role was to do with food rather than generalities, but I I was aware of the department structure and sat in a department meeting, so I had a feel for the department before I joined. What about the DEFR? It's got a wide range of fairly different activities to look after, the fisheries, forestry, agriculture, food. It's very diverse and uh, of late we've taken on a a regulatory role with the Office of Fair Trading. In fact, my second question in the Keys or Timbold Keys uh, was an OFT question on Manx gas, which doesn't sort of seem to relate very well to DEFA, but it it does nowadays and that's another area to learn about. What sort of things can you know beforehand? I mean, obviously lived on the Isle of Man long enough now and you sort of get here on the grapevine what's going on but is it different when you get all the papers and actually see it written down of I mean what can be improved or what needs to be looked at can you can you look at papers and and think hmm it's an interesting one Um, I actually own a farm but I don't farm hands-on but I have uh, had quite a lot to do with local farmers 
so I can relate to them to a certain extent. But yes, when you start to see things from the other side, there are different views. I have some fairly set views on where I think we should be going as an island in the agricultural sector. I think it's a very valuable sector to the island, one that is undervalued in some respects, particularly when it comes to GDP. It's not all about GDP. It's about the way the island looks and feels and the environment we live in. That's very important to people coming to work and live here and start businesses. You see on social media and stuff nowadays, because that's something that's moving on, there's a lot of younger people, I suppose, taking over the roles of farming here on the Isle of Man. When you see the the feedback they're getting from showing pictures of the, the carrots with the dirt still on them sort of thing, a lot of people are, are wanting to go back to that way in a way, but then there's still the other side of them that just want the cheapest carrot going. I think that there is an element of people who will buy what I call more natural produce, stuff that looks as if it's been grown organically or indeed grown organically. But at the end of the day, mainstream shoppers look at price and quality. And uh, we can't get away from that. So, Do you think they look at quality? I think they do. Uh, price is probably the prime uh, motivator, but quality also has uh, something to do with it because you only buy a bit of uh, tough old bully beef once and uh, you go and look for something else next time round. So once bitten, twice shy. So at the end of the day, price, yes, but there is an element of quality. And I think that's where we can with our local produce score. And uh, when it comes to things like food miles, carbon footprints not that important to a lot of people but nevertheless something that's growing in importance and uh, with our UNESCO biosphere status we have a marketing tool there not just for people buying on island but for off-island sales as well. The meat plant's been the centre of many ministers I suppose in the past I mean is there still room for it on the island? Well I hope so from my perspective I see the meat plant as a strategic asset because uh, regardless of what people say, oh yes, we can send our animals across and we can have slaughter across and all the rest of it, as soon as the meat plant goes and people don't have that, or farmers don't have that option for their animals, we're going to be at the mercy of the UK buyers and UK markets. And I I think that's something that will be a sad day for farming on the Isle of Man. Fishery side of it, there's um, new initiatives getting spoke about quite regularly and the fishing industry seems to be working all together with the administration side of it plus the actual fishermen hands-on and lobster fishermen themselves well we have a future fisheries strategy which uh, brings together a a lot of things with regard to conservation and uh, also stocking levels and fishing effort and uh, various aspects Uh, the fishermen are working well but i think there's still some work to be done people complain a lot of foreign vessels still fishing in our waters they're only paying a, a license fee and Frequently we don't see what's landed and we don't get any economic benefit from that. I don't know for the future, maybe we we need to look at some reciprocity or reciprocity and get the word right uh, because our fishermen fish in other waters but we we need to look at where the balance is. I know that uh, this year Queenie stocks for instance appear to be 30% of what they were in 2011. Now that's a big fall, alright that was a good cyclic uh, year in 2011 but it it is a worrying trend. Also the... The Barul, the Manx Protection Vessel, keep an eye on things. That's been busy of late, I hear, on the grapevine. Yes, indeed. Uh, you may be seen the press release. Uh, a, a Scottish boat uh, was apprehended using satellite uh, technology and uh, the Barul boarded it and the vessel uh, captain was fined £12,000. The catch, nearly £5,000 worth of uh, 
queenies or scallops uh, confiscated and of course court costs so that is a deterrent and, that, and it just goes to show that we are looking after our waters and uh, I'm very keen that we are seen to be policing and also enforcing our fisheries policy. A lot's been happening with the forestry world as well and the Isle of Man forests uh, that's been an ongoing one as well. Uh, have they got to the to the last tree that had the, the disease yet? Phytophora, I think it's called. Uh, yes, uh, no, they haven't. And that, that the answer is there. I think the policy has changed. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, certainly we were being proactive in trying to fell nearly everything. I think we've lost that battle and uh, felling will take place where it can now and uh, is economically viable. We, we've now got a debarking plant in the sawmill, so we're re-entering the firewood market uh, with the diseased timber, as it were. But I think in forestry strategy terms, we're looking at forestry more as a, an amenity asset as well as a, a forestry asset. And that's uh, where we're going with some of our uh, initiatives of late. And that's one thing that uh, the public have been right behind as well, haven't they? They've been sort of crying out for, for stuff to do outdoors for the younger generation, not just the younger ones. And now they're finally getting something. Yes, I, I think we're certainly providing something that the public want there. And you only have to go to some of the plantations where you have cycling, horse riding, other activities, and see how many people are there over the weekend periods to know that this is a policy that's very popular. And of course, it's, uh, it's contributing to the, the health uh, of people as well because it's getting them out and about in the countryside and hopefully they will appreciate the uh, Isle of Man environment as well while they're out there. So all in all, uh, just uh, at the start of it now, so uh, a lot more I suppose to, to pick up and just hope that you've got some, some good people beneath you that can keep you informed with all the, the information you need. Well obviously uh, officer support is paramount, I can't be everywhere and do everything. I've appointed two department members, uh, Tim Baker and uh, Martin Perkins, both of whom seem very able individuals, and I'm hoping and within the next week or so they'll be inaugurated, as it were, and online, and will help me uh, with DEFA uh, for the next few years. There we are, the Minister for the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture, Geoffrey Boot there, just telling us about how he's uh, learning the ropes at the moment. I'm sure he's got plenty of ideas along with his and uh, team as well Kerry and it's a big well all the ministers have got big responsibilities but a lot with the to cover I suppose the forestry fishing foods and the agriculture world in particular. It is a big area to cover and a lot of knowledge needed as well and it's uh, difficult times in agriculture at the minute so he's got a big undertaking there. I wouldn't say it's just in agriculture though because uh, obviously you'll have heard him talking there about uh, how they're trying to protect uh, the Manx Queenie and King Scallop fishing as well and of course the, the brule out there defending the Manx water so to speak <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the Battle of Sky Hill again doesn't it but it's uh, it's nice to know that they're actually keeping an eye on I suppose technology today that they're satellite tracking the boats and things but uh, I'm sure some will uh, find uh, some ways of slightly bending round it but of course as long as they're, they're looking after it I think it's in, in good order and I think he's got uh, I think he's keen that's one certainty and uh, I'm sure that uh, he's got a, a good backing of the team behind him as well. A good bit of enthusiasm. It goes a long way, really. It does indeed. Enthusiastical people at the Mart, wasn't there? There was. It was a, a good trade at the Mart this week. It was a little bit more buoyant than last week. And, yeah, it was a good sign. I spoke to Tom Kane on the recent calf show and he gave me his opinions on what was the best on the day. Yeah, it was brilliant to be asked. 
never really judged before, except from the young farmer stock judging competitions. And you had your dad to guide you, or was it all your choices? No, we sort of agreed on most of the decisions. It was only, there was a couple we didn't agree on, but we managed to get to a conclusion. <laughs> and what type of beast were you looking for? Because obviously there was different age groups. Yeah, well, we were looking for something a bit of size, good width and good shape. And yeah, just nice, stylish beasts as well. Which class did you prefer? There was heifers and bullocks? Yeah, there was lightweight heifers and heavyweight heifers and the same for the bullocks. And then um, I think it was a, a lightweight bullock that we put champion. It just had real nice width about a good shape. So from here, you'll be looking to go to do the fat stock show maybe? Well, yeah, hopefully we have a couple of animals for that as well. Oh, well, well, I'll look out for you then, but that's a good job done today, Tom. Well done. Oh, thanks. That was Tom Kane reflecting on his role as Suckler Calf Judge. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, after catching up with Tom Kane and his experience at judging the first of the Suckler Calf sales, I caught up with Peter Quayle, the auctioneer, he gave me some feedback on the recent sales. We had a good turnout, some super calves. Some of the best calves are on that first Wednesday. You know that uh, Tom Kane was the judge and, and his father Lee. Some really good stock and the winners were the Creas from Kilangel. Maybe second and third reserve were the Alan Sandra Jones from Croydon Bain. Now these calves go on then to be sold and they, they will stay locally on the Isle of Man? Uh, yes, I think uh, new Nearly all of the, the uh, suckle calves stay on the island. They've just been weaned and uh, they do tend to shout a bit. You might hear a little shouting in the background. That, uh, they go on to their new homes and they're, they're kept through the winter and then maybe later on next summer they'll either be finished or the best of them, the heifers, will be kept for breeding. So. What were the prices like this year compared to the last few years? The sellers have been a little bit disappointed. Um, they, I think they were aware that prices were likely to be down a bit because the last year or two prices have been very high and then the returns from the meat plant have been disappointing so they were big enough to realize that prices were going to be down but maybe just last week some of the smaller cars were maybe less than they should have been and some were taken home and they probably be put back with the cow and run on for another few months and maybe be sold at a later stage and today peter there was a lot of good cattle through again a lot of limousin cross cattle some of the smaller cattle were quite expensive quite expensive depends whether you're buying or selling um, <laughs> The buyers need to buy them at a reasonable price to be able to make something on them. They can afford to pay a little bit more per kilo because the cattle will grow out of it and hopefully they will make a profit at the end of it. But the uh, seller needs a decent price too. It's a very finely balanced industry and there's got to be a bit for everybody and if, it, if it's not that way it just doesn't work. And today there was also some in-calf heifers. You know, some of the younger breeders were buying these. Yes, yeah, always good. I mean, some youngsters just starting off and it's great to see them buying their own stock and and the excitement of lucky enough to buy it and, and pay the price and look forward to then to a calf in the springtime is there's nothing better than seeing a cow of a calf or a, a sheep lambing in the springtime is it this is it but there also is quite interesting to see some of the stabilizer breeds being sold here on the island it's a new kind of trend the limousine and the um, charolais and maybe simmental are the more popular ones there are odd stabilizers about but I think those, most of them are being kept, the people who have them generally keep them for their own breeding purposes, so there aren't too many that come through, but they are a breed that apparently are on the up. Also, with the long winters and the costs, and this year there's been talk of a lot of lot less straw, you know, does, it, does it affect the mart? It's bound to affect the profitability of it. Um, 
you need straw to keep them clean through the winter. Stock always do better when they're kept clean. As straw's tight and the price has gone up, or going up, we hear some prices, so it does make people a bit wary about how many they can keep and comply with all the welfare standards. And today there seems to be a lot of local, local buyers buying and keeping them on the island. Is there still a lot of export trade through the mart? There's one or two, the exporters or three maybe, that uh, buy at the mart and we're pleased, always pleased to see them. It, they put a bottom in it and they get some cattle. And, but we, we do need that trade as well. But like I said before, the cattle today, because of the type they are, and um, they, they may not travel so well, so these are much more likely to stay on the island. I think probably they all will. So we've got forthcoming sales. Is um, Anna Karouche and Graham Taylor coming on board? Yes, we've got Graham Taylor sale on Saturday, and then we've got another sale, good sale at the mart. There's lots of cows and calves afoot, good cattle, some farm machinery at Graham Taylor sale, and then the following week we've got in-calf heifers again and more cattle, and then we've got Anna Karouche's on the Saturday, the 5th of November at the mart. So lots of good cattle coming forward then. This is the right time to be trading for buyers and sellers, and before the onset of winter. It's been a wonderful spell this weather-wise, just to help stock just not make too much mess out in the fields and uh, they're coming into the yards and coming through the mark in good condition and they've had a, a nice back end and they've grown on well. Well it certainly shortens that horrible winter Peter. Well thank you and good luck for the forthcoming sales. Thank you. That was Peter Quayle the auctioneer for Central Marts. Well some good positive feedback from it the is. mart this time. Yes it's been slow getting going for the winter calf sales but um, prices were around about the, the two pound a kilo mark which is normal for this kind of the end of this year. They were a bit slow last week running around about the 150, 160 mark but um, things seem to be picking up. Is the room for more improvement yet? <laughs> As a farmer? <laughs> um, well yeah there's always plenty of room for good prices but uh, no it seemed to be a little bit more flamboyant and um, lots of positive talk so hopefully all being well it'll be a nice, it's nice back end so a short winter will certainly help and if trade keeps going I think there'll be a few happy farmers around oh yes good to have a good back end but was there many people there yeah there was plenty of people there young and old and it's always nice when half terms on and see a lot of the younger generations there with their grandparents and and even a few bidding away as well <laughs> a few of them selling the trying to sell the kids I would imagine <laughs> half term wouldn't they well, I popped along to Kurt Michael Village where there was an exhibition on in the hall of old farms and uh, old villages of how they were in days gone by here on the Isle of Man. And I popped along to find out where all the pictures came from and spoke to Roy Kennick who told me a little bit more about them. Well, we were very lucky that um, Mrs Terry Vaughan has a wonderful collection of old postcards and she was quite happy for us to borrow these and... Uh, take some copies off them and uh, blow them up and put them on display. So we were very lucky to get that source of, inf- of material. These date back quite a long way, some of them. What, what, what date would be the oldest picture here? Well, difficult to date it precisely, but it's certainly the late uh, 19th century. So you're talking about late 1800s for some of them. But again, the majority of them are probably when Michael was, was a a famous tourist resort, <laughs> and a lot of postcards were done at that time. So you're talking about the, the early 20th century, there's quite a few of. But the earliest, we think, is going back into the late 1800s. You talk about the tourist side of it, would most of that have been uh, Glen Willen, really? 
Well, Glenwillen came a bit later, yeah, well, about the 1920s, I think, in, when Glenwillen took off as a pleasure ground. And then, of course, it was taken over by the railway company, who then developed it even further. And then it became a popular place. You know, the trains would be bringing lots of people down from Douglas to visit. But also, there was lots of um, people staying in the village, visitors. A lot of people would, like homestay now for TT, people would do that all through the summer. It would be another source of income for them. So Station Road was renowned for having uh, bed and breakfast. And also some of the houses in the village, they, they put tourists up as well. I suppose when you look back at it, the, the centre, I suppose, of agriculture side was the, was the vast estate of the White House. Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a big, big area. And we've also got some wonderful aerial photographs taken by, by Dennis Reed. We were just admiring some of the, the land at White House, particularly the ploughing. The plough is absolutely <laughs> smack on, straight line. Well, people would talk about it. If it was uh, and they wouldn't expect people up in planes <laughs> taking photographs of it either, but, but it's there to be seen, and it's a work of art, to be honest. But yes, White House was a big farm, and I heard, I was told this story by my cousin, Stephen Kenneth, only a couple of days ago, about how they cleared the, the big fields at the top of the what they call the intacts. That was going off, and obviously difficult to manage because of the slope, and it went a bit scrubby, and um, anyway, a new farmer came in with a, a caterpillar, tremendous power, and ploughed it up and down. That was the strength of the, the little caterpillar. Ploughed it all up, cleared it, and then re-sowed it with new grass, and it's now two massive big fields there at the top of, just below Slucurn. Mm. Well, it just shows you how things have moved on. I mean, there's some wonderful pictures of... of cart horses and carriages in the middle of the villages and days gone yes. by as well and, yes. and people with just a little hand cart, rag and bone men probably as well. Yes, well there's one there of the milk being delivered by just a hand cart and we were just saying, you know, the, the title of the exhibition is, is the, um, you know, the changing face of Michael but actually there are some parts which haven't changed an awful lot to be honest and particularly in the very centre of the village where the shops are the biggest change I think is is the lower part of the village from the butcher's shop on, onwards and you can see up there on this photograph here the, the, ro- the road is, is only single track virtually you could only get one car through in fact you know, we've heard stories that if you had a good load of hay coming up through there it would be brushing the buildings on both sides of the road so they obviously had to do something with that about it it was the post office that was causing the problem so they demolished that along with a whole row of buildings and houses on the hillside of the road and that's what's widened it up and it's marvelous that you've managed to get the the two pictures next to each other in yes, comparison isn't it that's right because then you know i know People walk down these roads, uh, even the villagers walk through and probably don't take a lot of notice, to be honest, it's just there, but, but when you've got them side by side, you can really see the comparison, which is what we wanted to show, really, with the exhibition, to show the changing face of the village. And of course now you've got a couple of modern ones, obviously taken from drones and things, and when you compare them to Dennis Reed, the late Dennis Reed's photographs, aerial photographs from years ago, yes. they were pretty good for their day, weren't they? They were brilliant, yes. I mean, these are copies, and the, the originals are absolutely sharp as, as anything. Uh, so great quality. But yet it would be good, as you say, to take a, a, a modern aerial shot. I think they are available, actually. We just need to get onto them. But uh, it would be particularly interesting to see how the coastline has changed over 
the last 40 years. We're going to move on from that one. <laughs> but the nice thing about walking around here and looking at these is that everybody's looking at them and going, oh yes, and they've all got, they've all got their little chip in of, of what they think on, or yes. remember of it, some of the older yes. generation. Yes, yes, we've just we had uh, some older people of the village come in, and, and former members of the village, and coming up with amazing information, stuff that we hadn't heard before. So we're making a note of all this, and you know, hopefully we'll put it all down and make a re proper record of it one day. But yeah, this has the basis of a, of a, a little book, really, and, and along with the information of the older people, it'll be very interesting. Got many younger ones that are living in the village and the new houses come in to look at it yet? Yes, yeah, we've had some young people Surprised, come in. Surprised, are they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, yes, it'll be an eye-opener, particularly, you know, those, those um, photos of the lower part of the village, it'll be an eye-opener how it's changed. But the aerial photographs, I think, have, have attracted a lot of attention too, which shows the glen, you know, in its, in its uh, as it was going downhill, I suppose, it, it, it was actually closed, but, but a lot of the, the old railway viaduct is still there and the old Bowden Lake is still there. So there's still a lot of features to see, you know, from, from the past. Roy Kennick there, describing some of the photographs that were on display at Kirkmichael Village last week. Some of the old farms as they were, you know, and it's incredible to think that, you know, there was just enough room for four for eight people to get through the doors <laughs> of, the, of the cow houses and things on them. And obviously they just had greps and wheelbarrows to, to muck them out and things. And now just knock everything down and they put big things in so the tractors can fit in. Well, this is it. And also the houses, when they start spreading out in the villages, they certainly grow quickly in this day of age, yeah, don't they, really? Yeah, this expanded as well. I mean, have you got many of the, the old original buildings with the small doors at your place? Well, we actually converted our old courtyard or our old loose boxes there sort of the last three years or so. Um, diversification was what we were encouraged to do. And, and it's give them a heart again. They were all falling down around us. The doors and windows were hanging out of them. But uh, no, they're still a low low height and you, you still crack your head every now and again if you're not paying attention. <laughs> you're living in one of them, Mike. <laughs> well, <laughs> now and again. I'm just picturing you now with your head in a trough on the couch. Around you, but probably should leave it there for this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There we are, Countryside for this week. Uh, the new Minister for DEFA, uh, Geoffrey Boots there, Kiri, and uh, we wish him well in that role because, uh, like we said at the beginning, he's got a, he's got a lot to, to you know, sort of get get his hands into, really, hasn't he? So. Oh, he has that. A lot of areas to cover, but um, I'm sure he'll get a lot of support and change is always good it's not always uh, liked in the manx community but i think it's definitely needed in agriculture anyway yeah, and uh, your face beaming with smiles today as the prices have gone up for the mart well this is it it's always positive and yeah with a, a good back end coming you know coming into november now it certainly shortens the winter and definitely helps but that's it we'll see you at the same time next week so for me simon clark and me kerry gummard we'll see you next week bye 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 don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with shaw's all new super fast plus broadband Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.